Healthcare. Morning. This is Radio Jackie broadcasting to Southwest London on two to seven meters medium wave. This is Alice's restaurant, ninety point four megahertz, and we're here to bring you the very best in rock music. You're in tune with Lou the Duke here on Radio City. If you want to write, anyway, welcome to MAR on two six six meters medium wave, the sound of the northwest. It's a Thameside radio on ninety point two megahertz VHF. <laughs> Hi and welcome to the very first Pirates of the Airways podcast. My name is Mark Wakeley and I'm one of the people behind the land-based pirate radio of the 70s and 80s Facebook group. In these podcasts, I'm going to chat to some of the people who were involved in pirate radio of the 1970s and 1980s about their time in this secret but also not so secret world. If you were one of those rebels and you want to tell the world about how you changed the face of radio in the UK or just spent a wet Sunday afternoon in a field looking out for the post office, telecom or the DTI, delete where applicable, or just have a comment about the pod, then get in touch. You can email us at piratepod7080 at gmail.com. That's piratepod7080 at gmail.com. Or you can leave a comment on the Facebook group page. And before I go any further, let me thank the good people at thepiratearchive.net and amfm.org.uk for their help in the production of the podcast. Right, on to our first guest. A transmitter builder extraordinaire, presenter and founder of London Music Radio, 94.4. To listeners and others, he was Chris Miles. But to his mum, he's Piers Easton. So, let's get into the conversation. Welcome to the podcast. Today... We have, some would say, a pirate radio legend from the 70s and 80s, a man who put on and kept on an awful lot of radio stations during that period, a transmitter builder extraordinaire, Piers Easton. Hi, Piers. Hello. Hello, pleased to be with you. How are you doing? Uh, I'm fine. I'm very well, thank you. It's nice to see you again after all these years as well, because <laughs> we can actually see each other. Although you can't see us, we can see each other. I think we've both aged a bit since we last saw each other. But <laughs> Well, we certainly, I think we could describe ourselves now as silver foxes. Yeah, thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. I, well, my wife seems to think it is, so that, that's, that's good enough for me. The first thing I really wanted to ask you is, when did you first become aware of pirate radio as opposed to just radio? When did pirate radio become a thing for you? Oh, well, actually, I do remember that. That's uh, uh, luckily, so there's a lot of things I don't remember from that era. But I, I was a kid in the car um, driving um, with my, my father was driving and it had a, a like of I remember it had a valve car radio in it. It was a very, very old car that my father had. Um, and uh, we were kind of tuning around and we found some, you know, well, I was tuning around um, and found some music. And uh, uh, and then it, it, it was Radio Caroline. Um, this would have been the Mi Amigo days. This would have probably been early 70s sometime and uh, I, I didn't really know what it was and I remember my fa- father telling me uh, all about it that it was broadcasting from a boat and this just fascinated me I just thought so this this is like an illegal radio station basically like pirates literally so yeah it just really really grabbed me and I became fascinated by it and I remember putting a long wire around my, my bedroom and connecting it up to a really old radiogram that my mum and dad bought from an auction and uh, just just listening extensively to Radio Caroline, that was that was my first uh, experience of pirate radio. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think it's it's probably my first experience as well. Listening a little bit later on than you, probably about nineteen seventy seven, seventy eight, and I was talking to my brother about something. He said, "Oh, you know, there's a pirate radio station still broadcasting, don't you?" And and again, the Caroline days on the Mi Amigo three one nine, I think, was the frequency I first tuned to to listen to them on an old Bush Bush radio, an old Bakerlite Bush radio. Yeah, I used to, I used to love listening to uh, to Tom Anderson. Uh, he was my favourite DJ on there, who, who I later became very good friends with and uh, still, still are good friends with. So, Were you already in, into electronics and that sort of thing at the time, or was that something that developed because of your interest in the radio? I, I was already interested in, in electronics, to be honest, but but the actual radio bit hadn't, hadn't entered my uh, um, sort of life until then. I, I used to... 
I used to, um, in, when I was about five or six, I used to collect torches and I used to sort of take them apart and try and put them back together. And then I remember um, I went into, a, a, my, my father um, took me to a Cambridge uh, for some reason. I can't remember a family day out. And I remember finding a Tandy shop in, in Cambridge. Um, Tandy, of course, Radio Shack for any US listeners. And uh, yeah, I, they they had all these components you could buy. And I remember I, I bought like a, a, fo- a photo cell and various other bits and pieces. And I started experimenting with electronics probably when I was seven or or thereabouts. And uh, yeah, I just became fascinated with, with all things electronics. But it, it really wasn't until, uh, yeah, until I had that had Radio Caroline at that point that I, be, I then became interested in radio. Um, and then I... I I, I suppose the the, the next uh, sort of eureka moment, a, a very very good friend of mine who was a few years older, who's uh, who I'm still in touch with, um, he was into electronics and uh, he had bought a little transmitter kit from Exchange and Mark magazine, which is like a you, you, you may remember it was uh, in the days before the internet, it was where you would sort of buy and sell things, and they had um, yeah they had, they they used to have a section of uh, where you could buy little little kits, and I remember uh, him. I had I had a little portable radio on VHF, and he was talking to a microphone. And I walked off, and I could still hear him like several hundred meters away. And I just thought, "Oh, this is it." That was just like a light bulb went on at that point. Yeah, it's it's all. I know what you mean. It's it's that thing of um, just being disconnected from the voice, but still being connected to the whole thing as well. It, it's it's quite a weird sensation. I think we all probably went through that. And the first transmitter you ever, the first proper working transmitter you ever built. Well, um, it would probably have been. About that time, I think I bought one of those kits, um, and this was before I was aware of land-based pirate radio. So I'm guessing it would have been '76 or thereabouts. I was about 11, and I I bought uh, I bought one of the kits basically, and I remember it had a um, the oscillator was a BF194 transmitter. I, it's a transistor. I even remember that, um, and it had an etched uh, the, the 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 oscillator um, uh, the inductor for the oscillator was uh, was actually printed on the board. I remember that, and um, uh, it was very very basic, and um, the audio quality wasn't great. So I, I I built one of those, and I used to plug. Uh, I had I had like a tape recorder and a record player, and I used to. I built a sort of very basic. I think it was a, like a passive mixer. I could fade between the two, and and I could put a microphone into the tape recorder. And I used to like broadcast to my parents, literally downstairs. They'd tune in on the radio. <laughs> that was it. Um, and that, then then I started copying this kit. I I, I realised that I could uh, etch, and I used to get get ferric chloride, which was horrendously dangerous stuff. And I probably shouldn't have been messing around with it at that age. But I I literally. We, Longhand, I would I would sort of draw out onto the uh, onto copper clad boards this design. I started making bug transmitters that I used to sell to my mate to to my mates at school for a few pounds, and they were probably using to bug their parents. And probably, yeah, goodness only knows what what trouble I got people into with that. But uh, yeah, that's that's a bit worrying. <laughs> but um, so so that that's how you sort of started doing it. So it's always been transistors and solid state, basically, for you. You were never a valve radio person, valve transmitter person. No, no, I, I, I kind of. Although I did, I did end up doing some stuff with valves later on. But no, it was, all, it was always transistors. And uh, yeah, I mean, but at that time, as I say, they were. I was using them for bugs, bug transmitters, and it was a few milliwatts. So you know, I, I would literally be broadcasting just to to the neighbours and my parents downstairs, and it was, you know, probably a dr- dreadful. I mean, I was never a particularly good broadcaster, to be fair, but uh, yeah, good, good, uh, thankfully there's no recordings of that. The, the, the big, uh, the sort of the next eureka moment was, um, I think I was, as I always used to do, I used to listen to the Top 20 on um, Radio 1, Stroke Radio 2, which was broadcasting, uh, obviously, down at the bottom end of the dial, 88 to 91 or whatever they say. Um, and uh, I was that finished, and I was tuning back up to Capital, and I just stopped at this radio station um, on 90.2, which you can probably guess what it was. It was Thameside Radio. And it was, I, it, I think it was their, either their first broadcast or their second. I mean, literally, they, it, it, it was very, uh, it was very, very early on. So that was, I think, 1977. And I just, I really had no idea what what it was. I thought, well, how come you know that that radio station isn't in the Radio Times or? <laughs> and I didn't, you know, I knew about Caroline, but you know, I thought, well, the only reason they could do that was because they were on a ship. I had no just the concept. You know, I was only a kid. You know, the the concept that somebody would actually be able to broadcast um, over London um, from 
you know, from a, the, a hilltop or, or the top of a building just hadn't, hadn't occurred to me. I had a similar experience um, just tuning around on a Sunday, a Sunday morning, I think Sunday lunchtime. And the first thing I ever heard was North London Radio and then Radio Amy. And I thought, how are these people broadcast? They must have special licenses so they can broadcast on a Sunday. It must be something that you're allowed to do. And then I spoke to, uh, spoke to Lawrence. You remember Lawrence? And he said, oh, no, no, these are pirate radio stations. He lived down the road to me. He lived about 10 houses down the road to me. And he said, oh, no, these are pirate radio stations. And, and that's how I first, uh, so the same as you, purely by accident, um, found these things. And obviously your interest develops from there. So what about your first ever proper station with a name and all the other stuff? Well, um, after hearing Thameside, I think after a while I would listen to it every week and I, I kind of got a feeling about what was going on, but I didn't really know anybody. Um, I, I, I didn't have anybody 10 houses down the street to ask about it, but I, I, I decided I wanted to start making bigger transmitters and things. And I, I somehow, I think I went to the library and found some 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 diet circuit diagrams for amateur equipment and I thought, well, I can adapt that to, to, to another frequency. And I remember I was in... Uh, um, it's sort of another eureka moment. I was in Henry's, which was a one of one of the many shops in the Edgware Road that sold um, components, uh, surplus components, things like that. And I was uh, I was buying some smoothing capacitors, I think, and heat sinks. And um, there was a there was a chap um, in there who started talking to me. He was a bit older than me, and uh, you know, I was I guess I don't know, thirteen or fourteen at the time, maybe. Yeah, about fourteen, I'd say. Um, and he said, "Oh, you know, what are you doing with those?" And and it turns out that he knew the people from Radio Free London. And literally, I went from Edgware Road. I mean, at that age, it's, it sounds crazy now. Actually, I mean, I wouldn't. I'm not sure I'd be happy with my kids at fourteen years old just letting them go off and buy components to build transmitters or and disappear for the day. But I ended up going back on the train t- with him to to Dep- Deptford somewhere or Brom- Bromley, I think it was. And some of the guys from Radio Free London came around. There was a guy called An- Andy Allman who uh, became a really good friend of mine as well. And he was one of the one of the sort of well-known presenters on on there. And I remember he scribbled out some at, at, at this guy called Chris's house, who was the guy I met in uh, in, in Henry's. He scribbled out a diagram for a transmitter, um, and uh, just off from the, off the top of his head, I thought, "Well, this is amazing." Uh, and so then I I, I started to uh, yeah, that's when I kind of started to make proper transmitters and uh so, you, so the, actually sorry i've gone a bit off track here the, the question was when was the first broadcast i think probably i started building those transmitters and i used to i used to live between london and a place in northamptonshire near near uh, kettering um sort of thrapston way a uh, little village and uh, at the weekends and holidays we'd be there and i'd only be in london just during the week for school um and i started a, a radio station there um originally with just a couple of a couple of watts i think it was but it eventually got up to about 40 or 50 watts sticking an air at the at my bedroom window on a long pole uh, and that's called nen valley radio because that was the area and i think you know it as well because i think you lived in that area for a while i do yes i, I used to live over there as well so uh... I don't know if anybody listened. Well, actually, I do know that it was listened to because many years later, I bumped into some people from Harrywood Radio, which uh, I remember when that when that started up from Peterborough. Um, it, it, they they actually I, I met somebody who was actually one of the launch presenters there, and he he he'd said that they'd been listening to it in the control room and they'd heard it. So <laughs> so at least at least somebody was listening. But I remember putting out phone numbers and things, and I only got like maybe one or two phone calls over over months, but. You know, we all had. I had fun with my mates in the village, and and that's kind of uh, yeah. That was really the start of it. Well, it's quite quite a rural area, so you probably were broadcasting to an awful lot of fields and trees and wetland. I should think. <laughs> yeah, well, th- yeah, things went to a completely different level. Then, then I decided, I suppose, because I I, I worship having worshipped Caroline, and then started worshipping Thameside. I suppose um, because they were the first ones that I heard. I thought, well, I, you know, I can do this. Uh, I started broadcasting from like, the roof of my house in London and then a mate of mine from school, one of my school friends, had, lived in a house that was about seven stories high uh, around the corner. This was in um, near Gloucester Road in London. Um, he, he, he let me in uh, the, the, the door and I, I went, I managed to find a way out onto the roof and I put a transmitter up there. And that was, I think that that was the point when I started using the name London Music Radio because An- Andy Allman, who as I was my friend and the other people I knew from Radio Free London had had said that there w- there'd been a station with that name, but it was fairly long defunct. And I, I think I think and Andy maybe Andy was involved or, or Stuart Stuart Vaughan 
had been involved and I'd sort of met him and, and, and anyway, I was given the nod that they, you know, nobody, they didn't mind if I used the name. Um, maybe somebody will listen to, to this and, and, and correct me, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that I, I'm pretty sure that I spoke to, to some people and they said, Oh, you can use that. I mean, I liked it. LMR London music radio. It just sounded, it's just, you know, it's, it sounded good. So that's, that's kind of when it's, when I kind of started off, but even then I was only broadcasting to a small part of London, but my word, you know, did we get response then? I used to give out my home number actually where I was broadcasting from, which was madness. Although I was linking to this place around the corner, you know, it was, it was pretty crazy giving out giving out the number it wouldn't have taken the dti much to work out where it was coming from <laughs> no no but astonishingly then they, they never did come around well that's the record you voted number three in last week's new release spot and that was malcolm mclaren and double dutch in fact i was reading during the week that uh, mr mclaren is being sued by an african record publishing company saying that uh, that record is actually ripping off uh, some african tribal tunes so uh, there you go it's, you're not even safe if you uh, if you copy a, an african tune i wonder what it would be like if it was australian or something probably they'd still get you then so uh, malcolm mclaren is going, no doubt going to enjoy the publicity that's going to surround him being uh, prosecuted for that still it's London Music Radio 94.4 megahertz VHF and it's the Chris Marr show right through till 9 o'clock tonight and at the moment I'm playing you the uh, top three records from last week's new release spot as voted by you and don't forget to vote in this week's new release spot the lines are open at this very moment three four I think that's the first time I became aware of you uh, because as you know I was part of the Phoenix Radio and as his restaurant and radio comsat group over in on the Essex borders and that's when I first became aware of you. And I also became friends with Mark Dazani, of course, who I know you were involved with, with Radio Zodiac and stuff like that. And I do remember coming around to the, the flat in Holloway. Do you remember the flat in Holloway? Yeah. Well, funnily enough, actually, that, that, that very nicely dovetails into the next Eureka moment for me, which was um, I, um, Mark, uh, I, I'd heard through some of the people I, that I knew that Mark Dazani had some keys, some F, uh, FB keys, fire brigade keys for getting on tower blocks. and Which you can now buy on eBay, bizarrely. Can you? Really? Yes. I, I, do, do they still exist? I'd have thought they'd have got the security well, a bit. I think the places that have them, you can buy oh, on right. eBay. But oh, that's like you say, they're probably, they probably are not very relevant now because they are so easily available, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so I'm, I remember going round to Mark's flat in, in, in Holloway and... Um, I think I don't think he even charged me. He 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 we, he he gave me the keys to go and get cut, and I think I went round the corner and got got some copies cut, and took them back to him. And then we started chatting, and then you know that's how I then got involved with um, with him. And and, and by, by that point, I was doing this London Music Radio thing. I was putting putting it on tower blocks at uh, near well uh, near edge between Edgware Road and, and uh, near, near Trellick Tower. Actually, I wasn't actually up Trellick Tower because at that point I didn't have the keys to get up. Then that's where Thameside were. But there were some 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 tower blocks near near Royal Oak Station uh, near Paddington. Uh, basically, uh, you see, I still see them when I go into Paddington. For many many years, the aerial that I put up there was 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 there. I and mean, when I used to drive in on the west side, I'd see the aerial like probably up for about ten years after <laughs> after I stopped using it. Um, but yes, anyway, so I. I but it's, if people don't know the area, it's near where Grenville Tower was, isn't it? That sort of vicinity. Yeah. Sort of Labrook Grady. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, basically just behind Paddington Station. So, I mean, they, they weren't the best tower blocks. They weren't the highest. But I'm, I covered most of sort of West London and North London and bits of South London. And I was getting reports from, you know, way, way out in the sticks. At that point, I, I was running about 40 or 50 watt transmitters. But, yeah, then then we I, I, I became more and more friendly with Mark Dizani. Uh, Roger Vosin was his name on air, which probably a lot of people listening will, will know, which I always thought was a fantastic name, probably one of the best radio names uh, 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 ever, in, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, so we, we decided that we would we would pool our resources and we would do radio, uh, my station on a Saturday night, LMR, London Music Radio, and then Radio Zodiac on a Sunday using the same equipment. And uh, in, originally it was all on tape, so we'd put the transmitter on air uh, with my radio station on the Saturday and then we'd go back up there the next day with another tape <laughs> and put it back uh, uh, put it back on air and it was it was really so that when the tape ran out the transmitter turned off basically so oh right so it was like you had a, an, an automatic switch off system and that sort of thing so when did you start doing live shows linked to tower blocks because I know that was something that it always I used to think it was magic <laughs> as far as I was concerned I was still in the forest using tape recorders on medium wave at that time and then there's these people on FM who've got automatic transmitters and um, are linking live from studio. So when did that sort of thing start? 
Gosh, um, that well, that would have probably been in uh, the back end of 1981 or early 1982, um, uh, through through my friends from Radio Free London and and just generally the the, the network of pirates. Um, we 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 started at that, at that point. I didn't even have a car, but uh, I had friends with who were older with cars who were involved with radio. We used to go to uh, amateur radio rallies, as as they were called, which was where they were they were like component um, where you could buy electronic components and. Uh, uh, um, all kinds of other paraphernalia for 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 RF basically, um, and I think I went to one at Epsom Downs, um, the, the the racetrack there. That was one of the one of the good ones, and I I, I bought a load of Pi pocket phone boards. Um, these were UHF radios used by the police that had you know by that stage had been fairly long retired, uh, and they they had a separate transmitter and receiver, and I could buy the, the these boards. They were they were in the UHF band. And uh, I modified those to uh, to work at the bottom of the TV band at about 470, 471 megahertz thereabouts, which is the bottom of Channel 21 TV in uh, in, in Europe. Um, and uh, uh, there was nothing in, in London, there was nothing on Channel 21. So I just used to use those frequencies. Um, and that, that was obviously a revolution, you know, when, you know, although I'd, I'd already done some live broadcasts when going back to when I had, was using my mate's place around the corner, that was just using an FM link. I had like a, just an FM radio. So I was up at like 108 or something receiving that. And, uh, I, 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 I think I had a, a, a Vox on it or something so that when you, when it came up with audio, it would turn the transmitter on. So I, I had already done live broadcasting. It was just, it wasn't really up to the job of, of going miles to, 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 to a tower block, which is why we, I started off then again with, with tapes before, before going back to live. But yeah, certainly once, once I got the hang of building links, it all became very, very interesting. Uh, I think, I mean, I did a couple of bits for Zodiac from the flat in Holloway. Um, and I think you're on a link there because I remember doing a phone-in show for some reason. I think it was a case of holding the phone near the microphone and talking so that people could hear what the person who I was talking to. I mean, I've got a hybrid thing in here now, so I don't have to worry about that. But uh, I remember that very well. Um, I think it was probably a bank holiday or a Christmas or something where they were broadcasting for a long period of time. And he was just looking for people to fill hours, I think, at the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was probably there. I mean, I used to pretty much live for the weekend at that, that place in Holloway. Six six zero seven three nine zero eight was the name. It was the phone number there. And uh, again, actually, yeah, it's just just it's just dawned on me. We we were crazy because we were actually using the phone number that was at the studio at the flat. Yeah, yeah, and we just used that for for for, for quite a while. For at least a year, we were broadcasting every weekend. I mean, that's and and they never put two and two together and came up with. The I know it's, it is actually incredible when you think about it. Very, we, it was, I think we obviously felt felt invincible. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you were still linking to a yeah. to a transmitter somewhere else, thinking yeah, we that had, oh, we're we, doing we it right here. We had a big TV, a big interference uh, uh, TV aerial for the transmit, and we poked it out. Well, it was basically it was pointing through his window at Holloway. It was he he was on the sort of top floor. It was only like three or four floors high, but you could uh, you could see across to these these tower blocks at Swiss Cottage that we were using. That's right. Um, yeah, I remember that. Fell, fell at just some, some tower blocks uh, on off Fellows Road. They're, they're, they're obviously all still there, and I still, it still brings back memories when I go near them. Um, but, uh, yeah, we could, it was line of sight. So I, literally I used to fire through his big window. He had these big windows, so the RF would just go straight through the, the, the glass, and we'd pick, pick, it, pick it up, up uh, on the tower block, and we used to broadcast. So we'd, we'd bro- do my, my broadcast on Saturday night and then turn – Turn it off, and the transmitter would go off because when the when you turn the link off, the transmitter would go off as well, and then just turn it on again the next day for Zodiac. I must yeah, admit, you know, not, look, look. Sorry, I was going to say it was ninety four point four, wasn't it in those days? Yes, yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, th- thinking back, re- you know, really, I've got some tape. There are some tapes out there. I mean, some of the stuff we did on Saturday night, it, it, it got to be a bit fun. I mean, I had other people involved. There was Chris England got involved, and who, who would have been on Radio Amy? I think you mentioned earlier. Um, he he also did some stuff on Comsat as well for a while, but did he? my listeners didn't like it very much. <laughs> no, he's he's. I mean, I, I I sort of occasionally have contact with him. He's a yeah, he's certainly an opinionated chap. Um, yeah, a, and the other thing, the other station I was involved with, in which I know you were involved with as well, was Radio Shoestring as well. He was on that when I was on that. He as certainly well. was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's fast forwarding to uh, yes. Uh, well, uh, that, well, that's well. Let's let's move on. So we we've done LMR and Zodiac. So what did you do next? So that you become then a, a pirate radio transmitter builder, really, don't you? For yeah. hire. 
Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I was obsessed with keeping my station on the air and every Saturday from, I think, the first proper LMR broadcast was uh, June 1981 uh, until sometime in early 1984. Um, that's that's when LMR uh, w- w- was on. But I'd, I'd got to meet various other people who wanted transmitters and I started building transmitters for people and making money so I, at the age of sort of 15 or 16 I was starting to, to make a fair bit of money out of selling transmitters to other people one of one of the people I, I, I met was a guy called Chris Stewart who who wanted to set up Horizon Radio um, and I started you know I was making transmitters for for him and he, he built really cool studios I mean I'd not, not seen anything like it before in Pirate Radio he built studios like uh, um, you know, they sort of like professional studios, and but they were hidden in 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 sort of the roof cavities of 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 like council blocks in 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 South London, and uh, you know council buildings. And you you I remember one of them you had to get through by going out of a window and, and walking along this parapet, sort of a, you know fifty or sixty feet up in the air, and then going in through another window. Yeah, it was I, all to- I wouldn't have been on that station. <laughs> <laughs> it. I mean, he was. Yeah, I mean, that was an interesting station. So that's kind of uh, how how um, how I got involved with that. Then, yeah, the shoe, shoe string was was uh, 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 was a, an interesting one. I was, tell, the, I, tell the story about that because I love that story. When you were at um, Wood Green. Oh yeah. Um, well, I, I at, at this point I was obviously doing quite a lot of broadcasting. And I was helping Horizon and everything. And I, I, I was with my girlfriend at the time. Um, um, we 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 were living in Chingford, uh, and uh, I, we we went for. A, 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 a went shopping at Woodgreen shopping, shopping Centre, and there was this radio station broadcasting in there, and they, and I heard these voices. I thought, well, this, this sounds very professional, and we went to this booth um, where they were broadcasting from. Uh, say broadcasting, they were just going out over this terrible quality PA that they had in in Woodgreen, and uh, I got chatting to the guys there, and I said, you know, I said, well, you know, told them about what I was doing. They said, oh, you know, we really, really want to get a transmitter. We want to do a pirate station. And uh, the two guys in there, was it, it was uh, uh, Mitch Johnson, um, who later went on to, to sort of big things on, you know. He's now Showbiz Mitch on Radio he's Showbiz 2. Mitch. Yeah, still, I'm still friends with him. And, and the other guy was Paul yeah. McKenna, who, of course, became famous for, for a lot more than just radio. Um, look into my eyes. Don't look around my eyes. Look into my eyes. That kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I, and uh, so um, and the, the guy I knew from that was. Do you remember Greg Powers? Yes, yes, I do indeed. Yes. Well, they they then introduced me to Greg uh, uh, and Gary Gary King. Gary um, King, yeah, yeah, um, and and Gary Gary sang all their jingles. Anyway, they, they, so yeah, so they introduced me to uh, uh, to Greg Powers, and uh, I built built them this transmit this transmitter that was I think probably hundred watts or thereabouts. And I remember first of all it was coming from Greg Powers house and he'd, he'd built a really nice studio in in one of in his spare bedroom uh, and it was really professional and i heard what what you know what paul mckenna and mitch johnson were do were doing and the sort of the, the, the quality of their production and their voices it was it was better than anything else that was on the radio it wasn't as you know it wasn't like matching what was on the radio it was like better shoestring fm Doing it all just for you The best music we will bring FM 102.5 Radio Shoestring Broadcasting on 102.5 FM This is Radio Shoestring Serving Malcolm, Lakenstone, Woodgreen and Southgate With music, news, local, national and international And everything that matters in the Shoestring area Eastside Community Radio Radio Shoestring is East London's voice from Walthamstow and I just thought, well, this is something really special. I remember we put this huge aerial out of Greg's roof. Um, I think we moved a tile or something, and we had this these slot together masts. Um, each one was like six foot long, so we just kept adding and adding and adding. And it, it was, I think they called it Sputnik. This thing ended up being about I don't know thirty or forty feet sticking out out of the out of the roof, and it was very precarious. And so, yeah, that's where shoestring starts. Well, I, the, I was on shoestring for a bit, and uh, I broadcast from three studios all together. They had one. Do you remember the one at Forest Road next to the YMCA? Were you involved in those yes, days? Yes, I do. Yeah, the one at the yeah yeah down the back of the YMCA. Yeah. And wasn't then it? Were, yeah. the next one I think was probably at the back of a shop at St James's Street, at the bottom end of Walthamstow yeah, yeah, High yeah. Street. And then the third one I remember was was in his house. So I don't know 
where that fits in because I think you were involved well before I was. Well, I mean, when 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 it started off, it was a proper pirate, but. I mean, it was always a pirate, but but it, uh, at, at some point during Shoestring's lifetime, um, it became obvious that the, the the DTI, as it was then, who 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 were people raiding the, the stations, were not actually allowed to take your equipment away, and and that was the kind that was a period of time before the uh, the, the Broadcasting Act came in in 1984. I think there was a there was a period of about a year or so where all these stations popped up. Um, and there was basically nothing that the DTI could do, and they were absolutely fuming about this. Yeah, uh, because obviously they they <laughs> you know they wanted to do their job and take these stations off the air, but the the law the Wild Telegraphy at 1949 just didn't actually. Some, some I don't I can't remember who it was. Somebody found it was um, a loophole, wasn't it? Found a loophole. I think the guys at Radio Jackie found a loophole, didn't they? Or something I think it, like I think that. it was Jackie. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. because uh, it wasn't a case that they could come and test and inspect the equipment but couldn't confiscate it inspect and test exactly and it basically it, 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 it they, they were powerless you know they were impotent really um and that was lovely to see you know the people like eric gotts and brian holder turning up and literally you, you know it was like oh here's another lot that know the law and you know they would just you know bugger off well but, I, uh, one of the people I, I hope to be talking to on the podcast in the future is is uh, danny dipole you remember danny and, I do, yes. uh, yeah, and I know he was at Shoestring the day they got raided uh, at Forest Road. I think they were at the time, and uh, he's got great. I won't, I won't tell you the story now because Danny tells it so much better. But it's, it's a very funny story about um, the, the, the the DCI being very frustrated at the time about the fact they couldn't take this twenty four hour station off the air. Well, I look forward to hearing that on a, on a future podcast. But actually, it just rem- it reminds me of another another uh, an episode actually, which which predates that slightly. This is back when pirates were pirates and were getting raided. Um, again, at M- Mark uh, designed this uh, uh, flat in in Holloway. He he uh, he was tuning his radio as he would always do on a Sunday morning, and he, he his radio for some reason it went slightly off the bottom of the the VHF spectrum, and he 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 basically found the DTI's comm system, and and, and suddenly realised we were listening to Eric Gotts and Brian Holder and all of these uh, famous sort of infamous DTI people actually talking about who they were going to raid next. So we started. Being able to know, you know, they, when they when they were coming after us, we'd turn off, and then it, it got around to other people. I think I think the mistake was made of informing other people, and then all you know, all the radio, all the pirates were listening into the DTI uh, comms, and I think then it, it, it then became clear that the DTI realised they were being listened to, and then they would deliberately put out false information and hear the radio stations go go off air suddenly when they would mention them, and yeah, so that was you know that that was good for that was good for a while. But at the beginning of that. Could you hear them getting annoyed that the stations were going off when they didn't realise they were being listened yes. to? It must have oh, been yeah. a great thing to listen to. It was, it was, yeah. I mean, it was just gold, absolute gold. I'm not sure if any recordings exist <laughs> of it. Perhaps, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I know, you know, the, the guys at Jackie and you know, all, all of the pirates were using it. It just, you know, it became just. Uh, yeah. Anyone listening to this who's got any recordings of those, we'd love to hear that. That would just be oh, yeah. tremendous. We could do a whole episode on that. Um, right then, I've, I've written a few things down here because obviously I, I'm aware of your past. I've known you for quite a long time. And um, what I wanted to know is, who did you build for, mainly? That, that, was, that was one of the things. I, there's that great piece of um, video on YouTube of you sitting in a, I don't know whether you're in a basement or in your attic or whatever, and a guy's interviewing you. He says, so what do you do for a living? And you go, I make pirate radio transmitters. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, that that at that point, um, I, I'd set. I, I was. I became the engineer for London Greek Radio. Okay. Um, have, having having done having worked for some of the other Greek stations, London Greek Radio was the big big one in in the sort of Holloway area, broadcasting to the to the large Greek community around that that part of the world. And um, I, uh, I I was uh, the, the, the one of the owners of, of LGR. Um, uh, George George um, George Power or George Ericleus, who who sadly passed away a few years ago ago, but he was he was one of the owners, and I he had a, a, a he owned a row of three houses, uh, um, of uh, um in in the sort of uh, um, Hornsey area, uh, and he gave me the top flat there and said, well, you know, we'll put you in in there, you build our transmitters, and they were paying me a few hundred pounds a week 
to just be their engineer. Um, and uh, that it was at that point I think that that uh, TV program was was made, and they were get they were getting raided uh, almost every day. So I was build I was building quite a lot of transmitters, and uh, then uh, I, I I got a friend of mine involved who was also an engineer, and he came he came in and he sort of moved into the same flat. And then we just started knocking out transmitters for lots of, when you say, hey, who did I build for? It's very hard to remember. I mean, there was uh, uh, so, so many, so, 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 so many stations, uh, um, you know, mostly dance music stations. Yeah. Um, so the Kisses and Solas and Horizons and people Yeah. Like well, well, Kiss, obviously, that, that, that's a, kind of another episode in, in, in my career. George, uh, uh, George Power was, was uh, um, good friends with Gordon Mack. And I remember they, they 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 came around to the to the flat and um, you know where, where I had my workshop transmitter workshop and they had this idea and Gordon had this vision of of doing Kiss FM because I think he'd heard Kiss FM in in LA and he wanted to do this uh, this this new station um, for, for for London that was a dance station but like no other this would be doing things like I mean it, it just sounds very obvious now but doing like live mixing on air and stuff like that because nobody was doing that. Um, on, on the radio and, and it just it sounded like such a cool thing so we we, we sort of set up in partnership to do this and my, uh, my, my George would put the money in and I think you know Gordon would arrange all that he, he was a broadcaster and he got all the people together and he was a great was still is a you know great people person he was really good at you know bring, bringing in lots of good people uh, and I, I just kept the thing on air um, and uh, you know that, that 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 ran for a, a few years actually that ran I was involved with that right up until about 1988 from from when it started which would be about 1985 yeah yeah and um were you involved in that whole scene up at crystal palace where there was um, you know roofs all along the row of there with loads of masts and everybody was broadcasting from the top of sydney hill uh, well, yes, through Horizon. It's always, uh, the, the, yeah. I mean, that that the timelines of all this get a bit blurred. I mean, the 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 the, the Kiss thing that I was just talking about that was from about nineteen eighty five, and by that point, obviously, it it, it it had gone back to being pirates. Um, you know, the, the the broadcasting act had come in, but yeah, the 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 it, during the period where uh, where where people could broadcast without actual fear of having their equipment taken away, when all yeah, there was that row of transmitters up at Crystal Palace. I mean, my main involvement there was with. Uh, 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 with Horizon um, and and Christian and Horizon was probably the the, the, the most successful in terms of money making. I remember Chris Stewart showing me um, under his sofa. I think he said there was about sixty or seventy grand in cash um, from advertisers. Literally, and it was it was he lifted up the 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 the, the, the cushion you know the, the cushions on his sofa and there were wads of cash. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't seeing that much, but I was doing all right. You know, I was I was doing lots of, lots of work for lots of stations. And, yeah, and, I, I, uh, it's incredible to think that that's what it developed into from from me running around the forest with some wire and a old valve transmitter, broadcasting in North East London to that kind of huge business setup. But I, I suppose people see, you know, the the, the, the possibilities there. Um, so, how many transmitters do you think you've built? How many pirate transmitters? Oh my god, roughly. I, I would have absolutely no idea. I mean, hundreds. Um, yeah, I mean, I would have said hundreds. Yeah, um, over the, over the years, um, not not for a very long time. <laughs> um, although I do, I, I do, I, I sometimes have dreams of where I'm back on the air at a pirate station. Then then I sort of wake up in the morning. I find myself looking online, you know, and you can buy these fifteen hundred watt. FM amplifiers now for like 250 quid or something, you know, it's just madness. <laughs> so yeah, if I were doing it, if I were doing it now, it would be so easy, but no, I mean, I, back in those days, you know, it was, uh, uh yeah, a lot, hundreds. I could, I really, really couldn't even, couldn't, couldn't even hazard, hazard, hazard a guess. And then, so we come to the end of the pirate era, your end, your, the end of your pirate era. What, what's the next move for peers? Where do you go well, from there? Well, I was, you know, as I said, I was doing very well. I was in this 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 house in Hornsey, and um, the end. There's a, there's a very clear end for me with pirates. Um, I was there was this station who I can't remember the name, but probably best left nameless. But they, they, I knew them. I knew the guys quite well. They, but I think you know they were they were kind of yardy types, and uh, I was building their transmitters. But I, I was also building one for 
their their rivals, building transmitters for their rivals. And this guy turned up who I'd known quite well and got on quite well well with. And you know, he was telling me I shouldn't build transmitters for him. Next thing I know, he pulls a knife out. I mean, he didn't actually attack me with it, but he was just holding his knife. And I said to him, "Hey, I said, what are you doing?" I said, "Look, can't we just talk?" And he said, "Oh, I'm sorry." So it's just like just a habit of mine. And that at that point, because my my girlfriend was asleep, you know, next in the in the room next door, I thought, "This is it. I can't. Yeah, I'm not doing this anymore." This would have been about 1988. So well um, after things and, like BBC and stuff like that. Rebel oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, um, yeah, I and, can understand why you got out of it at that point. <laughs> And I, I just said I want to carry. I want to focus on legal radio because I was I was building links for, and I'd already started selling links to uh, commercial radio. I think uh, um, uh, what was the name of the station? Guildford. Oh, County Sound. Station. County Sound. That's it. Yeah, well yeah, yeah. Um, I told you my, my memory is about hazy. No, it's all right. I, I, I built some links for. for yeah, sorry, I, I built some links for them, and I thought, well, I want I want to just move away from pirates and i remember talk, having a word with gordon uh, from kiss which was the last pirate i was working there. i said look i said i'll carry on for a while but i said can you try and find somebody else because i just 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 want to get out of it and at that point there were four of us involved with um you know four kind of owners of joint owners of kiss um tosca myself uh, gordon and george and uh, obviously it was devastating to them because they they had to find somebody and in the end it was martin martin spencer and lawrence who I, I I kind of introduced them to to Gordon and they they carried on and I remember um, I think I, I was paid I think a thousand pounds or something for my quarter share of Kiss, which of course then two two, two years later got a license and was worth millions millions millions. <laughs> yes, you know, they bought oh, my email. Mean, you know, it's just the way it goes. Yeah, just the just the way it goes. If I if I'd have hung on a bit, I'd have. But you know, so you I've were one of the people career. involved in putting Kiss on the air when they became legal then. Um, not, no, not really. My, my, uh, Andy Howard, who was my business partner, who we were doing, um, building transmitters together, who also sadly passed away about 14 years ago. Um, he, he, he and I had set up this company called Sound Broadcast Services, SBS, and, uh, he, he, he did some work for them. He ended up becoming their chief engineer for a while. Um, but no, uh, by that stage, you know, they, they, they were kind of, you know, they were working with, uh, with Martin and Lawrence and, 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 and they, uh, um, with another guy put, put all the studios and stuff together back in, in the Holloway road, um, when Kiss started, but I still, you know, I still kept in touch with Gordon and, you know, it was, uh, there were no hard feelings. I mean, I just, I just, just felt that I couldn't, you know, that was the end for, you know, I, I, I just couldn't be involved with pirates because the, the way it was going, it was just violence and. I did. I obviously had no idea at that point that there was the pirates were going to start getting legalized left, right, and center in in, in a couple of years' time, or I might yeah. made a different decision. But you can never look back. I mean, I've had I've had a good career. Like I said, I can't complain. Yeah, it's the old thing is if you tell the kids of today that you wouldn't believe it. But you know, when I say to people, "Oh yeah, see that station? That used to be a pirate station. That used to be a pirate station." People go, "Really?" And uh, you know, like Jack Jackie obviously went and bought another station and put their name on it. Kiss got a license, but there's all these stations now on DAB, you know, Centre Force and people like that. And they're almost national stations now, a lot of them, I think, which is, which is incredible, really, to see that's where it's all come from and where we are now with it. Which is so, I mean, it's so easy now. I mean, you know, the, the, the point is, you know, back, back in the day when I started off broadcasting from my bedroom or from Mark's flat, um, the, 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 the criteria to get on air were just whether or not you could build a transmitter, um, which not many people could do. So there weren't that many stations on, you know, now, obviously, you know, as soon as we finished uh, the, recording this podcast, you 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 could start streaming and you could be on you could be globally broadcasting globally. So there's no barrier to entry anymore. I'll be broadcasting <laughs> to the world tomorrow morning between seven and nine from this very room. So, <laughs> um, and I, I'm on an FM station and I'm on an internet station as well. So like you say it's incredibly easy. And, and, and like you say, people who build transmitters. I mean, I couldn't build transmitters. I'm I'm not that technically minded. But uh, I just bought mine from Martin. I probably still own money for them now. <laughs> so we move on from there. You've started, uh, was it SBS you said it was? Yeah. Where, where do we go now? Bring us up to date to, uh, to Piers Easton and, and in the modern world. Um, well, I, 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 once I stopped working for the Pirates, I started building transmitters for, uh, well, transmitters and, and radio links for legal broadcasters. I came up with some ideas and designs that improved the sound and loudness of radio stations. Um, and I became, for, for a while in the early 90s, I was doing audio processing for various broadcasters. I, I, I 
been linked up with this company in France who had a, uh, a product called a, an FM sound design, which was a 12-band audio processor. Uh, and I designed a stereo encoder. Uh, I say I designed uh, I had quite a lot of help from a chap called Trevor Brook, who um, is, is quite well known in, in 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 the sort of the radio world. He he did radio facts amongst other things, but uh, he was very helpful to me. But we we'd come up with this system where you could have a, 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 a you you weren't allowed at that time you weren't allowed to uh, put equip your own equipment at transmitters for pe- people like Capital Radio had to have all the all their equipment at the studio. Um, and the IBA took care of everything else. Um, so, but, but we, we came up with a, a design where you could do the processing at the studio, send it up to the transmitter, and, and with the stereo encoder that 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 that, uh, that that I put together, you could get the same loudness as if you had the, the processor at the transmitter. So, to cut a long story short, I put Capital on the air with that, and um, it was it made them so so loud. Um, that, that they blew, it blew everything else off the dial. I mean, by such a, 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 a margin. Um, and then I just went around the country selling processing. Then I did Radio One um, processing the same way, and that mean, meant selling stereo encoders to the BBC for every single tra- main transmitter site um, around the country, uh, because it, as I said, it enabled you to uh, process at one end of the link um, and. Uh, and and it, these stereo encoders, it would effectively give you the same loudness as if you had the processor without, you know, going into too much technical detail. You get when you send audio from a processor down a line, which is effectively the, these lines that feed, um, you know, national networks or even just to a single transmitter. You get th- you get overshoots, you get uh, which would have caused overmodulation. But this this pro- this uh, stereo encoder enabled you to maintain a legal transmission and and get get the volume so yeah we, we sold these stereo encoders in the end to the, the bbc there were about 300 and something of them so for all their regional uh, it, transmitters and local radio stations and, yeah. and so on yeah the big the, you know the big 250 kilowatt main transmitter i remember we the first one to get it was radio one from rutum um and somewhere i've got a dat recording of simon mayo saying you know in the in the next song um during the next song we're going to be switching over to a thing called an mpx5 which was the name of the 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 stereo encoder and uh, and I remember you could actually see it on the meters when they switched, because I'd set it all up at Rutum and it was all ready to go. Uh, and I was living in Hastings at the time, so I was listening to Rutum um, off air, and the, the meters shot up by about three and a half dB, literally when they threw the, when they threw the switch, and then they rolled it out across the the the, the, the whole country. And are we, so, are we yeah, still that, listening through those now? If we're listening on FM, um, I, I believe that they are. They have. Um, I, I can't say for certain, but certainly as as of a few years ago, they were mostly all on. Um, because I, I I live in BBC Radio Shropshire area, and I occasionally listen to them. So would I be listening through one of those? Uh, well, the, the local radio was a different thing again. Actually, it was it was it was only the the, the main networks that were using them. The local radio ended up putting processors at, at each site, but that that wasn't practical for the main networks because it because obviously there would have been so many of them. Uh, the idea was you had one processor at uh, a broadcasting house, um, and it would it, you would feed all of the sites. But with, yeah, with local radio, where you where you had individual sites, you could actually locate the processors at at the transmitters. Um, so yeah, that, that I mean that that was obviously a big thing. You know, that was a massive. I remember getting a massive check from the BBC for those. Yeah, well, I can really I can see the Radio Shropshire transmitter bars from the room I've been sitting in now, so because oh, right. I can see the top of the Reekin. So um, and and now you're now you're Raycom. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, it's a long a long story, but I, I when I was back in the pirate radio days, sort of rewinding to the early eighties, probably about eighty one, um, I used to go and buy pie. Uh, base stations from a guy called Ray Withers um, uh, in Birmingham, and I used to drive up from London and fill the back of my car with these these base stations. They were they were valves. That was the point where I started using valves because I bought these really cheap, and I would just rewind the coils and tune them from like uh, uh, either high band or low band, tune them to 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 FM band. And I got to know and became good friends with Ray, and he was involved with the first wireless mics that were used by bands. And I think it was the Rolling Stones Steel Wheels tour that were the first to um, use wireless mics on a on a live tour. You know, wireless mics were sort of in their infancy then. This was in 1990, and I, I remember I went on sort of part of the tour with the Rolling Stones, and I was adapting the the, the radio mics that so they used to be made by Sony, and I was adapting them so they sounded better. And I looked at the circuit. They'd made some some mistakes with the design. I was improving it, and Keith Richards 
said he was I was his hero because I made his guitar sound really nice through these these radio mics and uh, anyway fa- fast forward to 2002 um Ray sadly passed away um rather 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 suddenly and uh, his family said oh you know are you interested in Raycom, which was the name of his his company, and uh, so I took took that up, took that on, and uh, and am now doing uh, wireless mics and radio distribu- RF distribution systems, monitor in in ear monitoring systems, basically audio and wireless, everything I've always done, um, really in my career, but much much lower power levels, and uh, so I'm I'm putting together systems for uh, for Formula One, and I'm a celebrity, like putting all their RF, to, you know, wide wide area coverage system, so you can go anywhere. Like when, as I say, when they film, I'm a celebrity in the jungle in Australia. Um, you know that that all 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 the the, the RF over fiber fiber links and wireless stuff. It's, I don't I don't design much anymore. Um, that it, it's just I'm I, I, I'm buying in equipment and putting it together and making it work basically from 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 sort of international manufacturers. That is fantastic. Well. From small beginnings, <laughs> from your bedroom with an aerial out of the window, right through to uh, stuff that everybody hears all the time on the television, on the radio. There we go. Piers Easton, thank you ever so much for spending some time with us. What can I say? Transmitter builder extraordinaire. It's been an absolute pleasure. I have to say, I've, 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 remembered, I've remembered more than I expected to remember, actually. You've, you've, you've been very good at eking out my, my getting my grey matter going again, because I'm getting old and forgetful these days like all of us we're all anoraks really and i just remember a lot of stuff about it in the day well my my son my son's an anorak now he's he's listening to shortwave and uh yeah so he's kind of <laughs> he's suddenly become interested in radio so he knows what what, what he's going to do well it, it's strange because that's obviously the, the the family thing carrying on you started off with your in your dad's car tuning a radio and your dad telling you about radio caroline and now your son is now carrying on that that tradition of listening to your father anyway it's been a pleasure thank you very much for having me Thanks for listening to the Pirates of the Airways podcast. If you enjoyed it and have a comment or would like to be a guest on a future episode, then feel free to email us at piratepod7080 at gmail.com. That's piratepod7080 at gmail.com. Our next episode will be out in a couple of weeks where I chat to Radio Jackie legend Nick Catford. If you don't want to miss that or any other future episode, then please click the subscribe button. Once again, thank you to the piratearchive.net and amfm.org.uk for the help in the production in this podcast. And I will see you all on the next episode. Radio Nova, broadcasting on 1404 kilohertz of the medium wave band, 212 meters. Unfortunately, we've had to suspend your regular broadcasting. This is due to the post office requiring to test and inspect our equipment. We'll return you to normal broadcasting just as soon as we can. This is a 1386 audio production.